What's going on? It's Zach. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick heads up that in the conversation, we do briefly touch on the topic of suicide. So just a little heads up before you listen to the interview. It's another incredible guest and I know you're going to love it. And also, I just wanted to remind you that season two of the talk is in partnership with Stella's Place. We are on our journey to at the $5,500, which will be going towards their virtual counseling sessions. At last check, we're about halfway there, so a big thank you to everyone who has helped us get this far, but we're not there yet, and we will not stop until we hit that mark. And Of course, when we do, Dakota and I will be doing a polar bear dip in early March. As always, if you want to support our brand while supporting Stella's Place at the55.ca, go to the store. We have dry fit shirts, hats, and masks, the proceeds, all of which go to Stella's Place. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm AJ Allen, uh, at the real AJ Allen on social media, Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and you are listening to At the 55. Hello and welcome to At the 55, your home for OUA football. Today we're continuing with another installment of the talk, our interview and conversation show about mental health in and around sports and the world of football. Joining us today, we have a friend of the show. Just finished up his fifth year at Guelph. We thought we were going to see him wearing some other colors this year. We'll get into that in a moment. And he was one of the most feared linebackers in not just the OUA, but in all of you sports. Welcome to the show, AJ Allen. AJ, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, guys. We're always happy to have you join us uh, on the podcast or any of the content that we're doing AJ, if this were, and we'll definitely have to steal your time just to have a more of a thorough retrospective on this past season, because you know your season alone requires a full breakdown on an episode of just <laughs> how stellar you were and just everything you were doing for that Guelph team and just everything. But you know, with with this conversation being centered around mental health, I, I want to go to what I alluded there in that sort of intro, which was that uh, you getting drafted by Saskatchewan, a lot of people hoping that they were going to see you, you know, I'm sure the, the Guelph diehards, maybe got to twist their arm before they say, yeah. you know what, we want to see him for the Rough Riders. But of course, you get sent back, finishing up your time here. It, it, that's obviously encompassing a, a, a fairly large period of time from getting drafted to going to mini camps, all that, to eventually coming back to Guelph. So go through it sort of at any part of the story you want to, but just what was that experience like going to training camp, getting drafted, going to training camp, and then what are those? what's that moment like? What are those conversations like when it comes down to, hey, look, we want you to go back for your fifth year. Just start wherever you want to in that journey. For sure. Um, so I'll start with getting drafted. Um, one of the highlights of my life, uh, April 30th, when I, when I got that call, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, to be able to say that I did what I said I could do. Um, I don't feel like a lot of men could do that. And I did. And I was, I was very proud. Um, so after that came, you know, the work and trying to prepare to be a professional. Um, that came in the middle of COVID with the lockdowns. Um, things got harder and harder uh, for me personally. Uh, gyms closed down, so I couldn't go there. Um, but, you know, we got to get it by any means. So I went to the closest field necessary and was doing my sprints and whatever there. Um, but when winter came and, you know, Canada, winter's eight months, um, things got too hard to run on. Things got too hard to plan on. Um, there was there's a ginormous hill by my by my crib. Um, it got to the point where I, my cleats couldn't actually dig into the ground. It was just all tundra. So I would slip and fall. And at one point, I'm like, this is actually just too dangerous to do. I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. Um 
So there was that. It just it's just it kept taking away means to work. Um, tried to run in the street, uh, and you know, just on the on the on the sidewalks and on the roads. But people stopped shoveling their driveways because it snowed so much. So I either have to run in Timberlands or stop running in general, which is again what I did. Um, so I I I simply I just got more and more frustrated uh, with with the way things were going. And it showed when I got to fast forward to training camp. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a horrible training camp. I'm sure guys there will tell you that. Um, but I didn't do enough. Um, you know, success comes at a price. Failure comes at a price. Um, and I clearly, I just didn't pay enough. That's, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Um, I wasn't ready. Uh, and I'm not a guy to point fingers and be like, this is a situation that happened. Um, these guys had this many Canadians or this or that. I'm not that guy. If I was good enough, I would be there. That's as, that's as simple as I could put it. So, um, you know, those conversations at the end of training camp were definitely hard to hear. Definitely a, a blow on, on pride, ego and all that other stuff. Because, uh, again, it was a dream. It's a, it's a dream I had. Um, I was so excited for it. I took so much time to prepare for it and I didn't prepare hard enough. Um, so, yeah, it definitely took a big toll on my mental health um, to be so close yet fall short uh, completely to my own doing. Um, definitely, definitely hurt. But, um, you know, put my put my head down and try my best to work with the pain instead of letting it work for me and, and letting, it work, letting it do its job on me because uh, – I mean, it would have been easy to just curl up and, you know, let it let it eat you, let your own defeat eat you. Um, but, but yeah, um, took it. <laughs> I took it and I and I and I used my pain and, and turned it into focus. I turned it into drive, and as you said, I had a, I, had a, I did I had a slightly above average season to say the least. <laughs> And uh, I'm proud of myself being able to uh, fight adversity the way the way I fought adversity. Slightly above average, I, I suppose that's you're not lying when when you describe your your season in those terms. Uh, you know, I, I've been uh, privileged enough to know uh, enough friends and people I've played with that have been able to have a chance at the next level guys have been in similar situations so getting to hear some of those stories of you know those conversations what it's like getting sent back what a team expects from you you, you spent a lot of your career you know sort of majority of your career before you drafted at Guelph being a bit of a hybrid DN outside linebacker kind of guy and then it seems like in this your final year coming back to Guelph you were very much solidified at that you know middle linebacker position was that something that when you were in camp that they had aspirations for wanting to transition you more as a player was that when they sent you back they wanted you to work on certain things or was that just when you got back to Guelph here was the priority need we uh, where we needed you and sort of working that into the conversation did that change for you obviously not a position that was foreign to you by any means but that sort of becoming more of like okay I, I used to be this hybrid it seems like I'm more becoming this linebacker type what kind of effect did that sort of change in mentality have on you as well so I guess where did that was that more spurred on from the 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 pro team telling you what they wanted you to work on was that more on the Guelph side and just sort of how did that transition for you uh play into your your final year uh for sure 
Um, so it started at, at, at training camp. They wanted me to play uh will linebacker or weak side linebacker for those who don't know. Um, I came in a little bit heavy. I came in 10 pounds heavy. So they moved me to Mac linebacker. Um, nothing too serious. It's, it's, you know, the positions are pretty interchangeable linebackers linebacker, but um, yeah, I, I am a guy that can pass rush, of course, as you've seen, but uh, you know, the DNs at the next level happen to be six, eight and six, nine and 260 pounds. So I didn't really fit that mold. So yes, they wanted, they wanted me to play, uh, want me to play linebacker instead of, instead of, um, instead of DN, which is obviously cool with me. I, I saw myself more as a linebacker than a DN, uh, at the next level, simply because of, you know, that size factor, these guys are, are six, four, six, eight and, and above. So uh, I saw myself at that position anyway. Um, so, yeah, when I came back, that was a part of that decision. That's a conversation I had to have with Coach. Like, they wanted me to work on things that would make me a better linebacker, but also knew that uh, that Guelph needed me and wants me to be, you know, this hybrid guy that could do a lot of things. Um, so, as you've seen as, as in the season and all that stuff, we found a, we found a middle ground. Uh, I still played hybrid for the most part. Um but uh, yeah, I, I played hybrid for the most part. But um, yeah, it just uh, it did stem from Saskatchewan training camp, and you know having some goals and things I needed to work on, and and things I just needed to get comfortable with, uh, in terms of switching positions uh, more fluently and being more productive at at both of them instead of just one of them. Now looking at your time at Guelph, I mean you excelled pretty much wherever on the field that they were putting you, um, but just your your. Your, your sort of full story of your your time at Guelph, it, it started off, you know, from from you sharing with us a little bit of in your first year, started off in a really tough place, uh, the loss of, of your roommate. Um, can we go back to that and just a lot of people might not know that story and just share with us, I guess, however much you feel comfortable with sort of that time in your life transitioning as now going from high school summer football player, student athlete, and just the, the wealth of things that that comes with trying to just deal with this transition in life and then what you were dealing with personally. For sure. Um, so from transitioning from high school to uh, Guelph, uh, it was kind of seamless because I'm from Burlington, Ontario. So it's not far uh, in terms of Guelph and, and the drive. So I was able to come up here and, and work out and, and run with the, with the guys um, whenever, whenever possible. Um yeah. So uh, when 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 uh, when you're in res when you're in that uh, selection process for for residents, right? Um, and they tell you who you who you're rooming with. Uh, I got my my good friend now, um, Kyle Coleman. Uh, he was excited. He reached out to me on Instagram. Uh, he was like, "Man, are you are you a football player? I'm excited to be your roommate. All this stuff. It, it was it was it was awesome. I felt like uh, <laughs> I felt like I was making friends already. It was uh, it was really enlightening. Um, so. You know, yeah, my my roommate and my best friend at the time, uh, Kyle Coleman, committed suicide December tenth of uh, of twenty sixteen. Um, I was going through a tough time with football already. Um, I didn't have many friends on the team. Um, you know, I was you're, you're you're also in that period where you're like, man, why the heck am I not playing? going on here i'm better than all these dudes you know that 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 first year you go everyone's got it um so yeah i was i was going through a tough time already um and uh and yeah i i I lost my friend 
Um, and it was, it was very tough. Uh, I couldn't even stay in the same room anymore. Um, couldn't write my exams. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a real tough time. Uh, football already had already ended that point. Um, so I didn't really have to worry about that, but, um, came back, uh, from the, from the Christmas break. And, uh, again, it just, just, uh, just a tough time. Um, I moved to a, re- a residence room by myself, uh, lonely, a lot of thoughts going on. Um, football was tough, was, was tough again, because I, I, I was, I was starting to make more friends and, and people were, you know, starting to look out for me because, uh, because they knew what was going on with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I lost, I lost, a, I lost a real good, uh, we, we lost a real good man out there and, uh, yeah, it was it was it was real tough to try and get over. Yeah, and I can't even begin to imagine. And uh, I'm curious now, having so much time to reflect it and think back on those times, when you think of like who you were as an individual, just in the growth you've gone through, are there are there things that you would you know if you could get into your you know in time machine to go speak with that AJ from your first year in Guelph? Are there things you would have told yourself of how you maybe? dealt with it at the time or whether it was resources available that you, you used or, or could have used just in, in how you think about that time in your life uh, now with, with five years more wisdom and just growth having lived through. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn. Uh, I know the resources at Guelph at that time uh, were not good. Um, I think we had a record high in, uh, in suicides at that year. I think, uh, I think in that year we had like eight, eight suicides, which is absolutely absurd. Um, so the resources and, and that stuff outside of your friends and, and family and, and for me, my my coaches and, and all that stuff, there there wasn't much uh, there to help us, uh, anyone who anyone who knew him. Um, one thing I would tell myself is check on your friends more. Um, Kyle always seemed like a guy that was in a great mood. He was a life of the party. Uh, he never seemed down. Like he, you know what I'm saying? He, he never seemed down. He was, he was the guy that was picking me up after I had a, had a tough day. Um, so one thing I always tell myself, uh, is make sure you ask your friends how you're doing because you never know, um, no matter how happy or how sad they look, you never know. Um, that is something I would tell myself. And I, 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 it's crazy. Cause at the time, because I, I felt pretty guilty because I never asked them. Um, I used to stay up until like 3 a.m. every day just in case anyone needed to talk. Uh, just wanted to be there just in case. Uh, but yeah, that is something I would tell myself. And that's something I try to practice now. Just actually actually sit down and ask, how, how are you feeling? Not just like, hey, how you doing, bro? How you, hey, what's good, bro? How you doing? Not like, like, like look them in the eye and just generally, like, how, are, how are you actually feeling? How is everything going on right now? Because... Mm. You never, you never actually know. And it, particularly in the in the culture of of a football locker room, I mean, there's sort of the the male stigma in general of not being able to have those strong uh, connections on a more emotional level, but then amplified even more so in an athletic setting, particularly a sport that can be so hyper machismo as football. Uh, and, and I kind of want to tie this in as well. You, you mentioning that at the time Guelph didn't have as as best resources as they could have. So I guess partly 
did you in your time at Guelph, did you see those things improve as far as availability for student athletes? And then also just the, you know, what you just said, I think so important of being able to have those conversations. Did you, do you find in this setting that we and so many people that are listening to this follow this, our content, we're in that atmosphere of, you know, the, the boys, you know, the guys being the guys in the locker room. Do you think that factors in to having those conversations as well? I think it does factor in because uh, it, it's, it's in, it's, I feel like it's so hard because there's so many teammates you have. Like I have 110 teammates every year, right? Now you don't get to know all of them and you're, you're around each other all the time. For the most part, you talk about football. Maybe sometimes you talk about girls. Um, you talk about your struggles of, you know, damn, I'm broke. I ain't got no food, but like, no one, no one sits and talks about how, you know, how, how, how are you actually feeling? Because it's not, it's not average to be broke and have no food. Like, like I, I understand you spend 40, 40 hours a week here or whatever it is, but um, no, it's not something that's like, I, I think the culture does not help uh, the conversations being had. I tried my best uh, to have those conversations with, with anyone, whether it be a linebacker or a D lineman or a DB, just to check in on them. Um, Again, there's 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 just so many guys to be able to have that conversation. Anyone that was struggling, I tried my best to. Um, I may not be, I wasn't a captain to all five years, but I tried to be a leader in that sense because not every team's got that guy. I, I want to be that guy. Um, but no, I, I do not think that the culture of, you know, football and ha- having those conversations like that seems to, they don't seem to mend together, um, you know, because like, uh, it's it's also tough because like half these guys that are younger than me or or you know in their first or second year seem to only think about football right their their problems in life tie about football right I'm not playing um, so I'm sad or or something like that and yes it is hundred percent valid but there's more to that right there's 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 more to life than than football and there's more to your emotions than just being sad about football. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the, the environment is is inclusive to having those conversations. Is that a, a message that, as you know, you said you haven't always been a captain, but you've always been a leader. Is, is that a message that you try to get through and, and how, and, and if so, how do you try and get that message through to a young player? Cause uh, you know, I, I've been there both as a, an older player in a locker room and have doing, having done some coaching as well, where, you know, those sometimes those messages that just the, the the simplest truths in life of just even something you're just trying to be like, hey, trust me, come to practice and just work on your thing. You'll get better. Trust me, it works. But sometimes the, the when you hand someone the, what seems like a simple recipe to fall doesn't always come through. And, and I have to imagine that that might have been a difficult thing, that idea of not investing everything in your life into the outcomes of this game of football. Is that a message that, A, like I said, you, you, that you've tried to get across and, and or, or that, or how have you tried to get that message across? And is it tricky? Cause as you said, at that age, especially that very absor- yeah. absorbed in it. For sure. Uh, yeah, definitely tricky. Uh, I, we can't all see in the future. Uh, we can't all see that far ahead. Um, I tried to get it across by being an example you know, uh, trying to focus on my schooling and my, and my grades and 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 still putting in time at football. Um, that is that is where I tried to, the most. If people were willing to ask me, because, you know, 
not everyone wants help like that. You know what I'm saying? You have, you have to want to change in order to change. So those close people, I can still remember some of the conversations. So those people that ask me, Hey, like I'm struggling with this. Can you, can you help me? For sure. You can have those conversations. I, I sat them down and, you know, we had a, we had a man to man conversation or whoever it was, we had an eye to eye conversation. And, and that, that's, that's when you can tell like something's like some, someone's like willing to change and, and willing to see in the future and actually ask for wisdom. Um, you can't just, you can't just force it on somebody, some, somebody, because not, not, not everyone's going to take it the same way. Um, but that's how I tried to get those conversations. I tried to be a leader by example uh, and, and show them what it looks like instead of just, you know, tell them about it. Um, and I think it helped. I mean, not only did I, am I, uh, am I drafted, I graduated with two degrees. Um, so that's something like, you know, it's, it's important. It's, it's important to do. It's important to, I'm not, you know, it's important not to be here just in football because again, it can only last for so long. Um, so yeah, that that I tried to, I tried to portray it with, a with, with example and then, know give my wisdom if asked well sometimes sometimes when the example is an aj allen it's easy to sometimes be like oh well, i'm if i strive to be aj there's only so many aj allens out there if i try and do everything <laughs> the way he does it you know it's just he just one in a million my friend um oh, but <laughs> no but i i appreciate that mentality of just kind of just 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 watch more than anything and you'll kind of see the recipe and all that and how you deal with your school your athletics and everything of that nature um the last thing i kind of want to touch on Related to sort of everything we're talking about, mental health, culture, and things of that nature, you know, about two years ago, I suppose, uh, almost two years ago, you wrote a, a piece that we put up on our website about some of your feelings about the way people demonstrate their allyship or perhaps sometimes performative allyship on social media when it relates to at the time it was, you know, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and how people were showing, I guess, their their solidarity with the black community. But as well, that notion of performative allyship, especially on a platform like social media and Twitter and all that, it, it can extend to so many, so many other platforms. And, and you said something earlier that really made me think of this when you said, you know, check in on your friends. Right. And, and I feel like we see that in a world of social media where people it's, it's easy to, to send those very surface level or, um, you know, uh, superficial, like, Hey, how's it going? You know, you're doing okay. But it, that, that's a, a level of engagement that rarely does get to those deeper levels of connection that you were really striving for. So I guess in, in trying to connect these themes of, the uh, the way people portray themselves on social media relating to serious issues and then sort of connecting it with the realm of mental health and connecting with friends. What sort of thoughts do you have sort of tying all those ideas together? I think um, things like that, uh, things like the, the racial equality that we're talking about and even, even mental health, um, I think sometimes te- people tend to have very short attention spans uh, regarding this issue. Uh, Bell, let's talk is one day, um, but uh, but your mental health is 365 days, um, and it, it like it can't be overlooked. It can't be overlooked. Uh, you know, even even racial equality, like even though George Floyd died, people are still continuing to die. Um, not even a week after it happened, until um, uh, I I saw an article uh, the other day about um. Gloria Bambo, who was lynched in her lynched in her own home, um, our attention span 
is so small to these issues. Uh, I don't understand why uh, the people in power just, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think people dying every day is, is a problem, especially if, if they're being murdered. Um, and I think mental health is too big of an issue in this day and age to be given one day and highlight, uh, given, give one, uh, give, I don't know, give people the tools for one day, just to, just to be overlooked for the rest of them. Um, I think the attention span is too small to, if we want to fix these issues that we got to continue to work on the same way, if you want to, you know, if you want to become a better football player, you got to work on it every day, right? You can't just pick one day or one week and continue to work on it. So, um. Yeah, that's that's my uh, my tie in there, I guess. No, no, and for sure, and I'm I'm just kind of at this point just sort of vibing off of what you're saying. I almost wonder to a certain extent, like social media as a as a whole, whether it lends itself to just the right type of discussion that can spur the change that I mean I guess there I'm sure there are positive ways that we've seen social media have those those more positive effects but sometimes it just feels like the platform the media itself is just a bit self-defeating in that more long term it's great for creating awareness people are on their phones all the time you're going to see it but having that message that sticks that's going to have people remembering people being more active in their day-to-day lives that doesn't involve them just seeing a hashtag one day or or, or seeing yeah. You know. Sure. It, I, I feel like it is tough because there's something there's always something going on somewhere. Right. Mm. So it, it's hard to pinpoint uh, one specific scenario and focus on that forever. It's the it's the intersectionality of it that, um, you know, these are similar issues that are just happening everywhere else. Right. I, I, everyone's got a story of a George Floyd. Maybe, maybe not all of them got the same media attention, but everyone's got a story like it. No matter if you're from uh, from India or from Africa or wherever, um, these are intersection. These are these are scenarios that are inter, uh, that are connected, um, and we still have no solution. It, it, it continues daily, um, and I don't know. For me, it's frustrating. I just want to change it. I don't even know how. <laughs> I don't. I don't have an answer. I wish I could. I wish I could uh, fix it. Uh, being in politics, I, I know how hard it is to fix it. Um, oh man, it's, 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 it, it can be depressing. <laughs> it can, it can be depressing. Like, like you think of it, right. Even in Ontario alone, if I wanted to change something like that as a politician, I would need 51% of votes to even, to even be in a position to change something about it. But me wanting to change those issues I might have to change some of my beliefs just to get that 51% because not everyone cares, right? If it doesn't affect you, it's not existent. It doesn't happen. It doesn't affect half the people in this world, more than half the people in this world. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, I, I guess yeah, with social media, it, it can be a band, it can be a banding tool. Uh, but again, there's always something going on somewhere. Every, everyone's fighting something. So uh, it's it's it, it's tough for us to be stay united uh, for for a long period of time. Well, that's certainly the unfortunate truth of the matter. Perhaps to end it on a positive on a positive note, there's sure a heck of a lot of people pulling for you moving forward in your football adventure, AJ. Uh, for those listening here, recording in early January, but it'll probably be somewhere in in early Feb when we're posting. When are people? When should people be keeping their ears and eyes open for the the next update on AJ status as far as 
moving forward with with the Saskatchewan or, who, or whomever with the CFL? Uh, should be in May. Should be in May when when training camp comes and and when preseason comes. Um, stay tuned, and I'll, I'll make everyone this time. This time, I will make everyone proud and make myself proud as well. Uh, I do not plan on failing twice. Uh, it is only driving me further. So, and have you have you found a way to work out without running in in Timberlands? Is there? A- <laughs> I, I have found a way to work out without working out in Timberlands. Yes, I have, and so far it's very solid. <laughs> well, it's very solid. It doesn't seem like it's gonna come back at me anytime soon. So, um, no, I, we we got the right pieces in place this time. Beautiful. Well, we can't wait to see what you, uh, where you head on to the next step in your football adventure. AJ, thank you as always for joining us, my friend. Thank you guys for having me, man. I appreciate it.